This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big money at Menards. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm here with Matt Verderam. As always, huge, earth-shattering, breaking news in the Chiefs' kingdom today. The Chiefs have released former number one overall pick Eric Fisher and future Hall of Famer Mitchell Schwartz on the right side. Big, big news. Everybody's talking about it on Twitter. A lot of good information out there. A lot of bad information out there. A lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. Let's let's set the record straight, and there's nobody better to do that for you than our own Matt Verderam. Matt, this move clears $18 million in cap for the Chiefs. Did you see this coming? What are your initial reactions? I'd be lying if I said I saw it coming, although about – month ago, two weeks ago, maybe, I thought they would cut Fisher for sure. And then Brett Veach came out and said, well, we think he's going to be back by mid-August. So that made me kind of stop and say, well, I think they're insane to think that. We talked about that in the podcast. And I said it at the time. I thought it was nuts. They 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 are relying on a guy who's 300 pounds off an Achilles tear to be back in seven months. I wonder if they had some second thoughts about that or if maybe the training staff even said, Brett, I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. Like that's, that's a, you know, potentially wishful thinking. Now I'm not a doctor. Maybe he is back in that time frame. I'd be very surprised. Obviously now, as far as the chiefs are concerned, it doesn't matter. Eric Fisher is gone. They saved $12 million. Um, so I'm, I'm not I, I'm taking Veach's press conference comment aside, I'm not shocked at all. Eric Fisher was going to be a free agent after this upcoming season. He's coming off a major injury. And by the way, he was coming off of the year prior to that where he was hurt for more than half the year. So I think if you're the Chiefs, like you start really worrying, like, look, is this the beginning of the end for Eric Fisher? As far as Mitchell Schwartz is concerned, I've got to be a little careful with this. Um, because in full disclosure, I mean, I am, I am friends with, with his brother, Jeff, who I did sack in the box with, and, and, and we have a, just a, a friendly relationship. Um, I'm not surprised in the sense that I don't, I don't know if Mitch is going to retire or not. I think it's an option. And I think 
with Fisher, I think the Chiefs cut him strictly because I don't think they felt like he could realistically contribute for a large chunk of this year. With Schwartz, yeah, coming off the back injury at 32, scary as well. He was such an Iron Man before that. I never missed a game in his career. But I do think there might have been an element of does Mitch want to play? Is he is he really, you know, is is this something that we want to do? Do we want to go down this road? So I'm ultimately not surprised. I'm not. And I am I am surprised at how many people are like shocked that the Chiefs did this. And right. I think it, I think frankly it kind of shows sometimes in the media that yeah, you might you might work in the NFL, but you don't really cover it because they're both going to be free agents on the wrong side of 30. The Chiefs needed to really revamp this line. I actually think it's the right move. I really do. It's painful. It's a little scary. But I think overall, I think it's the right thing that the Chiefs are doing, trying to get younger, um, getting a more flexible, maybe less injury-prone line. I think it I think it could pay off in the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was just as surprised as you were. I After Veach's comments, I thought, okay, and we talked about it on the podcast. Maybe they're going to try to take a – you know, a, a safer approach here. Not that they're going to put all their eggs in, in these guys' baskets, but they think they can get them back. They they don't want to go with like just all young guys. They're going to try to mix it up with veterans for a year, right? Maybe extend them. I think we always knew that either like Fisher was going to somehow get extended or rework the contract or he was gone. I think he's such a huge cap hit. We knew that that was coming. Mitch was a question mark. Um, but yeah, you're seeing a lot on Twitter of people saying like, you know, especially fans from other teams who don't understand what's going on. So the, the narrative that they know in their head is Chiefs offensive line had problems in the Super Bowl. Now they're cutting these two tackles who we know to be good. Right. What are they doing? Patrick Mahomes must be freaking out. And that's just like, they just don't know what the hell they're talking about, frankly. And and some Chiefs fans don't really understand the cap implications. We, look, we don't blame you for that. Like, this isn't your job. You're a fan of the team. It, the least that's interesting part of... That's that's right. Yeah. The least interesting part of being a fan is sitting there and examining the salary cap and trying to figure out, you know, what your team could do. You just want to see them win football games. Um, I think that it is. It's an exciting move, right? Because it's it's Brett Veach is saying, all right, I'm not taking half measures here. I'm not to your point. These guys are over 30. They now both have injury issues, serious injury issues. I've got a young quarterback. He's not even in his prime yet, right? He's probably going to get better. And I need to make sure I keep him upright. And, I, and, 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 and I'm paying him half a billion dollars. So I got to get young and I got to get cheap at the same time. And I think Brett Veach is taking a – he's going for it, man. I mean – I'll put it this way. Um, and that, this isn't always going to work out, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying it's a foolproof plan. They got to the AFC Championship game in 2018 – basically without a defense. They got all the way there. If they win the coin toss, they probably end up winning the Super Bowl that year. They don't win the coin toss. They could have very easily just said, you know what? We're going to come back with the same group, make an upgrade here, change there. We're going to, re- we're going to keep Justin Houston. We're going to keep D Ford. We're going to keep Steven Nelson. All guys who got big contracts elsewhere. Like Kansas City could have done that. They could have just kept those players. Brett Veach completely rebuilt that defense. They went out and traded for Frank Clark. And people forget this. A lot of people killed the Chiefs at the time 
for giving up the picks they gave up for Frank Clark. Okay. Now you could argue, was it worth it? Was it not? I'd argue, look, Frank Clark in the regular season at times has been underwhelming, but come playoff time, he's, he's helped them win the Super Bowl. He's helped them get to another one. I think the Chiefs, I'll tell you right now, he's very deep Ford's been. The Chiefs would do that again 10 times out of 10. Justin Houston's gone on and he's played well. He's played well. But the, by, by moving him, that allowed them to sign Tyron Matthew. It gave them the financial flexibility. I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Right, the Chiefs went out and completely rebuilt. I mean, they went from a three-four to a four-three. They brought in Spagnolo. I mean, there are not a lot of teams that that go to an AFC or an NFC title game that completely rip apart one side of the ball. Well, the Chiefs did, and it ended up winning them a Super Bowl. I, I think we can all sit here and agree that if they didn't do that, they would not have won the Super Bowl. Now, this offensive line—it's a teardown. My understanding is it's not likely that Austin Ryder gets re-signed, that he's probably going to hit the market. And then maybe at that point, look, if the market dictates that he he can come back on a, on a cheap deal, it's possible. But my understanding is it's very likely at least hits free agency. Um, you look at their offensive line now with, with Fisher and Schwartz getting cut. What are the only certainties you have? Duvernay Tardif's coming back, and Lucas Niang's going to get a real good shot here to start. That's pretty much it. But I got to tell you, knowing the way Veach is operated and kind of understanding that organization and the inner workings of it, I can tell you one thing. They are not going to sit there and try to patchwork this. In fact, I'd argue keeping Fisher and Schwartz would have been patchworking it. They are go- Brett Veach is a big game hunter. They are going to go out and take big swings. Now, is that a first-round pick? Is that free agency? I think it could be both, honestly. But I, I, they are not going to sit there and Band-Aid this thing. They're going to spend money. And to do that, they had to move these guys off the roster and off the cap sheet. It, it is it is a big jolt. But I think I understand why they're doing it, and I think it sets up for them being aggressive in rebuilding this line with younger players and maybe, like you said, even some guys who are draft picks who are cheaper. Absolutely. I sent you a note in the Slack, by the way. Just take a look at that real quick. Um, And I'll continue on. That's just a little business, everybody. Pay no mind. Um, So I think that I I think it's important to mention here, too, that this move is not it doesn't have anything to do with the play of Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz. Right. It's these these two when they're on the field are, you know, Fisher is, is 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 very good tackle and and shorts is all world when he's when he's healthy and on the field um the chiefs did not lose the super bowl because eric fisher and mitchell schwartz didn't play well they lost the super bowl because they weren't there (laughs) was a big part of the problem here and um so you know these guys if they can get healthy uh if they do want to come back uh, if mitch wants to come back and play eric fisher you know he's still got probably a couple years left if he can get healthy you know they'll be able to find homes if if they're healthy and they can get on the field. But you're, I think, if you're looking at this from from Brett Veach's point of view, which which you mentioned, all right, man. Like, look, I got these guys. I I, I can't rely on their availability. I know I can rely on their play, but I can't rely on their availability right now. And the fact that they are good players and that they are veterans, even if you want to restructure a deal or bring them back, they're just going to command a little bit more money. Right. And he's got he has to he has to do this cap kung fu over the next 10 years to pay Patrick Mahomes to to surround him by big stars. And he has to 
draft well, bring in good players. And that's that's part of this. I don't get don't let it get lost in the shuffle that like, you know, they're getting cut because they're not good players. That's that's not why they're not on the roster anymore. No, they're they're you're right. They're getting cut because Mitchell Schwartz is 32 years old, coming off a back injury, and and maybe maybe not going to play next year. And then Eric Fisher is getting cut because he's 30 years old, coming off a torn Achilles tendon. That, that's why they're getting cut. And the Chiefs were never going to extend either one of these guys. I don't, I don't think Schwartz, even if he were to come back, I don't think he would have played past his contract. And Fisher, I don't know if the Chiefs would have had the money to resign him. So if you're the Chiefs, like, you might as well move on now. Yep. They're not dumb. This is an organization. I get it. Everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth because of the Super Bowl. Guys, they, they've gotten to the Super Bowl the last two years and won one of them. They, they know what they're doing. They're one of the best organizations in all professional sports. Like this, this is not a team that's just going to trot out you, me, and your mother to be you know, the, the left side of the line. They're not going to do that. They, I'd argue that this is the first step and what is going to be a plan. And it, if your plan involves signing certain free agents, okay, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to get those guys because other teams are going to want those players as well. But keep in mind, I say this all the time. I've said this on the podcast before. Free agency starts technically on Wednesday, although Monday is the tampering period, which is really when it starts in public. Free agency started two months ago. When yeah. these teams have been talking to these agents and finding out, hey, would your guy have interest in coming here? What would be the deal you're looking for? That Those conversations have been had. If you don't think those conversations have been had, you're crazy. I can tell you from personal experience, I've been there in past years, not this year, obviously, with COVID, in past years. Where those conversations are ha- happening right in front of you at the bar at the Marriott in Indianapolis. I mean, it, it's not exactly a secret. Now, this year, they're just happening over phone calls and Zoom. That's it. They're happening. The Chiefs are going to have their options, and I want to lay out a few. So if you're talking about free agency, and I'm not going to lay out most likely or least likely, or anything like that, but here's just some names of guys who are, who are quality players who are interesting guys to watch. Okay, so start out. The big name that everybody talks about is Trent Williams. He's got a chance to be a Hall of Fame left tackle. He's a great player. San Francisco 49ers. He's 33 years old, but he's still playing at an elite level. All right, so he's a guy. It's out there. Then you get into Alejandro Villanueva from the Steelers. He is a very good player, also in his 30s. So do the Chiefs want to go with a guy who's in his 30s? You could argue that's somewhat defeating the purpose. But again, just throwing out uh, a couple names. I think then you start getting into, all right, who else is there? Joe Thune is the best guard that's out there. Okay, so he's somebody um, that he would command good money. He's in his his mid-20s. Um, very, very smart guy, widely respected. He also, by the way, can play every position on the line, but he is mostly a guard. Um, you, and, and there have been other guards who have been cut recently. Kevin Zeitler of the Giants, a very, very good guard. Uh, he, he was a cap casualty, got released. Trey Turner of the Chargers might get released. Now, he's had some injury issues. That might scare you a little bit, um, but, but he's a guy who, if he gets released, the Chiefs might look at Gabe Jackson, uh, of the Raiders, good good player, just got released. There are a lot, a lot of guys out there. At center, Corey Lindsley is the big star attraction from the Packers. He's an all-pro-level center coming off his rookie deal. Um, he's somebody that you'd look at. 
So if you want to just talk about the offensive line now, obviously, look, you could you could get into a million guys who are you know mid tier or lower tier or whatever. But those are those are some of of the big names. Riley Reef just got cut, although I don't think he's a fit for the Chiefs. He's thirty three years old. Um, I'm just trying to think of anybody else in my head really quickly. Uh, Larry Walford is a three time All Pro, twenty seven year old guard is coming back from he he opted out with COVID. I think he'd be a really interesting fit for them. Uh, but there's a lot. There's you know, John Feliciano from the Bills, Darrell Williams about, from the Bills. Uh, what about Russell Okun? He's 33, coming off a contract. This was in an article from, from Arrowhead Addict writer Jordan Mannix suggested a, a potential he, move on Okun. He's interesting. The, the problem with him is the same problem that I, I mentioned with a few other guys. He gets hurt. He's just hurt a lot. Um, yeah. you know, but there are guys. I mean, look, David Andrews, Ted Karras, I mean, these are centers. Um, you know that are that are you know, maybe bridge guys, and then and then I, I'm not going to go through all their names, but there are ten offensive linemen who are top fifty picks this year. I mean, there are, and, and of all, I mean, tons of tackles. There are you you could easily get a starting guard, starting center in the in the third round this year. I'd be really good. Like some years, guys, it would be top forty picks. You could get them at seventy five or eighty. Um, it's a loaded class on the offensive line. Every scout, every GM I've asked about this is, look, receiver, corner, quarterback, offensive line. That's where the depth is in this draft. So the Chiefs are actually pretty well set up in that regard. I want to I talk a little bit more about some of the offensive line options, but there's a name out there that's floating around. Everybody on, not everybody, but a lot of people on Twitter are talking about it. I don't think it's likely, but because it's a name that is, is out there as a potential trade target, I think we should discuss it for folks so you can kind of set the table. And that's Orlando Brown being on the, on the trade block from the Ravens. I personally think the Ravens would be out of their minds to trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs, but... Who knows? Maybe if it's the right trade package. What's what's your feel on that? And do you think it makes sense? Uh, my feel is, I would be very surprised. I don't have any inside information on that, but I, I think it's look. He's on a rookie deal. He's going to get paid here coming up probably next year. The Ravens uh, GM Eric DeCosta recently came out a few days ago in a press conference and said, "Look, he understands he's under contract here. I, you know whether or not he wants to play left tackle doesn't really matter to us. He's under he's under contract. I do not think the Ravens are looking to trade him. And furthermore, trading him to Kansas City is the football equivalent of suicide. I, I, I just can't. I mean, there's I, come on now. If you if the Chiefs were in the other conference, maybe if you're the Ravens, you're trying to beat the Chiefs. You're not trying to trade him." One of your five best players at a position they need for the Chiefs. Like I, I think it's far more likely, and this is a little bit of dark throwing. I'll be the first to admit that. I think it's far more likely the Chiefs go into free agency now with a little bit of cap space. There's still $3 million over the cap after cutting Fisher and Schwartz. My expectation is they will convert some money. They'll restructure some contracts with Mahomes, maybe even Jones or Clark or, or Kelsey. Um, could see an extension of Tyron Matthew. I think the Chiefs probably are going to walk into free agency, um, maybe not with $20 million at the second free agency opens, but like knowing that if they want to, they can open it up easily at any time. I do not think the Chiefs are going to be restricted with their cap space. Kansas City is going to have cap space um, and, 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 and can create it very quickly and repeatedly if they need to. 
I think the reality is I, I look at the Chiefs and I know for a fact that you know talking to people around the team, they believe the offensive line is very deep. Okay, they they are one of these teams that shares the opinion that the, the class is very deep there. Uh, and and Brett Veach talked about that openly at his press conference, at, uh, you know, whatever it was, 10, 14 days ago. I think Kansas City will be active in free agency at edge rusher. I think that's something to keep a real close eye on. I think they will look for a second tier receiver. I do not think they're going to go out and spend major, major money on a receiver. I think, but they, they will be active in looking for one. Although, again, they'll have their options there in the draft as well. Um, and then offensive line, I think it's going to be a combination of things. I, I, I would be a little surprised if the Chiefs went out and spent big on one of these tackles in their 30s. I think it, it, I think the Chiefs are more apt to say, look, we'll, we'll spend bigger on a guy who's maybe younger, a guy like a, like a Lindsley or a Thune. Um, and, and again, that is a little bit of dart run. I could be wrong with that. They could shock us and spend $70 million on Trent Williams. But I, I think that's a little bit of a reach just considering his age the money they have how they how they have to kind of fill multiple holes on the line but Brett Veach has gone out and signed big guys in the past that's kind of what his MO is he does not work on the edges Brett Veach goes out and gets the guy whoever he thinks that person is that's what he does we'll, we'll wait and see but free agency in essence starts in about 100 hours from this recording I think one thing that you don't want to do with your offensive line is have a lot of unknowns, right? That's part of the reason why like the injury stuff. Do you, do you see a situation where the Chiefs, we know that Lucas Nyang will be coming back and that they really like him and he could be a potential tackle prospect. But do you see the Chiefs going with, okay, we're going to draft, you know, we're going to put Nyang on the left or right side. We're going to draft a tackle. We're going to draft a couple interior guys and going out there with like a three rookies on their offensive line. Is that something that you see as a realistic possibility or is Andy Reid the kind of guy that's like, look, man, I don't want a bunch of like inexperienced guys coming in, even if they are talented, protecting my quarterback. So that's a really interesting thought. And I I think it's a, a smart one. Look, Niang, I expect to start next year. You know, he was a guy who they had a second round grade on. They took him in the third round. He opted out because of COVID last year. So essentially, he comes in as a rookie. His contract, it's, it's just like if he was drafted this year. Um, I believe that he's the starting right tackle. Um, he's the in house option. And he played 44 games at TCU over three years. He never allowed a sack. He took and, and this stat is from Nate Taylor over the athletic. He took two holding penalties his entire career at TCU. When Chase Young was coming out of college, he was asked, who's the best, who's the best pass protector you ever faced in college? You said Lucas Niang. I believe that Niang, who was coming off of a torn hip labrum his last year at TCU, cut his year short. I think if he was healthy, it would have been a first round pick. Um, so I believe that he and Duvernay Tardif are going to be the right side of the line. The left side and the center is where it gets interesting. And and I think, you know, look, two of those guys might be veteran guys. I could see that being the case. Like I, I think if you're the Chiefs, you'd like to have a veteran left tackle, which I know goes a little counter what I said about spending crazy money on Trent Williams and or or somebody of that ilk. But I, I could see the Chiefs saying to themselves, look, we, we like to get a, a veteran at tackle. Maybe sign a veteran at center, and then the UK will have a rookie guard, and will essentially play two rookies up front. Or they could say, "Hey, 
we're willing to go more with a rookie-laden line, but we're going to re-sign Rembers. We're going to bring back Colecio Semele. We're going to have guys back there that if it's, if it doesn't look like it's going well, we can pivot quickly in training camp. So, you know, now, the, the of course, the, the fear there is Osemele is coming off of dual patella tears, and, you know, he's, he's a guy who's got a lot of injuries. I think the Chiefs are smart. To take the to take the, the scarier plunge and just say, look, we are going to rebuild this, and we're going to use youth, and we're going to take our chances. Because look, the other side of that is, yes, it's scary to have rookies, but if if they're good, you now have a really good young offensive line for years, right? right. And you now you can load up at other positions. Now you can say, okay, look, if like let's just say the Chiefs starting Yang and he's good, and they draft the left tackle and he's good. Now you can go, this is fantastic. We've got two young tackles who are going to be cheap for four years. We can we can spend now on a big-time corner. We can spend on that big-time pass rusher because you know you have those tackles locked in. So I actually, if I'm the Chiefs, if it were, if it were me, I would draft a left tackle. And I would go in with rookie left tackle, rookie right tackle. I would try to find the center who's a little bit of a veteran because I do think you want a guy who's making protection calls in there who's a vet. And I would and I wouldn't mind seeing them sign the guard. I w- I would go veterans on the inside, tackles on the out and I get that scary, but if you hit on that, you're set up ridiculously well despite all the big contracts I already have. Let's talk about the salary cap stuff a little bit. Uh, and then we can also talk about the draft because the Chiefs did get awarded some compensatory picks that we can go over. But so you reported this, by the way, and hats off to you that the that the cap was going to be. I think it was on March third. The cap was going to be. I think you you had it between 182 and 184. Is that correct? Was your uh, range 180 and 183? 180 and 183 came in uh, yesterday officially at 182.5. That's down eight percent from last year. Now, teams knew that this was a possibility of likely going to happen with COVID and everything, that the cap would come down a little bit. Um, as somebody who's tapped in, what impact does this new salary cap have on the league? And um, will we see more sort of like, you know the big guys are going to get their money, right? Like somebody's going to give Kenny Galladay a big contract. But some of these oh, yeah. other guys, right, may, maybe they can't, people can't afford to give them big contracts and maybe they wait and maybe they will we see more hired guns this year on one year deals no question um no question and so everyone expected once covid hit full force okay everyone thought the cap's going to go down now how far will it go down nobody knew but i think most people that i talked to in the league agents gms personnel men they they felt the cap would be between 180 and 185. So this this is smack dab in the middle. I mean, it, I don't think this comes as a surprise. Any GM who's shocked by this is is probably a GM who who does not have a lot of job security, or at least should not. The Chiefs were not surprised by this. Um, most teams weren't. Now, where it does matter is when you get to free agency here. And the Chiefs now with these moves actually kind of flip positions because before before this morning, they were $20 million over the cap. If they restructure Mahomes' deal, they save $17 million, all right? 
they can they can do a lot. I'm sorry, I want to I want to interrupt you there. Can, can you Go explain to, to everybody who may not be familiar with the cap stuff when you say yeah. restructure Patrick Steele? Sure. You, you you mean uh, converting his base salary into a, into a bonus, right? And how does that work? And how does that yeah. make things better? So there's a lot of ways you can do it, but essentially what they would do with him, he has really big roster bonuses, and all roster bonuses is essentially what it sounds like. If you're on the roster, you get a bonus. I don't have his contract number right in front of me, but his, his roster bonus is astronomical. It's like 20 smod million dollars. Okay. What you can do is you can take that money and you can say, okay, we're going to turn that money. This is a little convoluted, but essentially you can take the money and you can say, now it's going to be part of his base salary. And then once it's technically part of his base, then you can say, all right, now we're going to turn it in to a signing bonus, we're going to spread that out over as many, as many as five years. And when you spread that money out, you're lessening your cap hit. In the, now you're adding to future cap hits, but you're lessening the current one. I'm not going to go into all the intricacies, A, because I'm not smart enough to explain them, because I barely understand them, and B, because there's so many different ways you can do it. But you're not adding years or, or, or getting, you know, or, or taking years off. It's nothing like that. You're just essentially moving money down the road is the easiest way I can put it. You're, you're taking money from now and you're moving money down the line. And the richer your owner is, the easier it is to do it. Because when you put money, when you start guaranteeing money, which you're doing when you restructure, okay, you're, you're guaranteeing future money, you have to put that money into escrow. And so your owner has to have enough liquid money and be willing to do it now, the Chiefs have no problem with that because Clark Hunt is one of the richer owners in the NFL. But a team like the Raiders without, with, excuse me, with Mark Davis, that's a harder thing for them. Um, so the, the Chiefs can restructure Mahomes' deal, again, to essentially take his, his money and push it into future years. They can save $17 million. They can do that with a variety of contracts, by the way, to have right now. They can do it with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. But Mahomes is the biggest bang for their buck. And that's so, and that's good for the player, right? Because when you convert it into that bonus, that money's guaranteed now. Yes, they're going to they're going to get not to cut you, and 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 that's what the dead money stuff is like. When someone yes. like wait, they, the Chiefs just finished paying off Eric Berry, right? Correct. And, and he had Correct. he was still against the cap, and so that's what happened. So there's a risk to it, but it does open up money now. And with somebody like Mahomes, as opposed to somebody like Eric Berry, <laughs> you, you like he, he's going to be here. So yeah, the Chiefs you know, don't care because he's later. right. He's going to be there for the whole life of the contract and then some. So that that's all that is. And so look here, I'll just give a scenario. The Chiefs are three million over the cap. Let's say tomorrow Brett Beach wakes up and he restructures Mahomes. Now they're fourteen million under. Okay, and then they extend Tyron Matthew. And that that's a little bit of guesswork because it depends what the contract to be. But let's say that that moves money down the road, which it certainly would. It's just a question of how much. Those two moves alone could get the Chiefs to where they have $25 million in cap space. Well, if Kansas City has $25 million in cap space, that's a, that's a huge change, obviously, from being $20 million over when we all woke up this morning. Um, you know, right now, for an example, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams with $25 million in cap space. So the Chiefs could very, very rapidly be a, a big player in free agency if they want to be, because next year's cap with the new with the new CBA and and the new uh, TV deal, that, that's going to explode. I think most people think that the cap next year will be well over $200 million. And if it is, 
Kansas City's in phenomenal shape. Kansas City would have a ton of money to go out and spend. And so, like I think overall for the Chiefs, um, they're not in a bad spot now financially. Kansas City actually has a lot of flexibility to do what they need to do. Um, and again, like I, I think this is where it gets interesting with the Chiefs now. Does, does Veach, is he a little bit judicious and say, well, look, we, we're, we feel like the draft is really strong at offensive line. Um, I, I, I know that's a, a position that, that they do like in the draft. Like maybe they look at this and say, hey, we're willing to take a chance. Or maybe Veach says, you know what? We cut Fisher and Schwartz, not because of their ages, but because of the injuries. And we'll go out and sign Trent Williams. And we'll pay him $60 million over four years. I mean, maybe they do that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they, maybe they go for it. Or maybe they sign Alejandro Villanueva to a, you know, a two-year, $24 million deal or something like that. That's possible. All options are on the table. You'd be a fool to say they're not. I, I think it's just a question of how do the Chiefs want to allocate their money? How many years do they want to be into some of these guys? And how willing are they to roll the dice? I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes is the franchise. Like you've got to protect him. So whatever they think the best option is, is what they have to do. And I'm sure it's what they will do. And so I think we could, uh, to your point, we'll see some guys maybe that, you know, like we said, a guy like Kenny Galladay, like he's going to get, he's going to get paid um, because of his age and his skill level. But there may be some people who are like looking at that TV money that's going to be coming that are looking at that race salary cap. And like, they're getting maybe like a good deal, but not a deal like, what is there as far as a lure with, like, just for the receiver position, for example? Maybe you're a guy who's like, a, you know, you're like a mid-tier free agent. You're still young. You're in your mid-20s. You're hitting the market this year. And maybe you're like, you know what, man? Maybe I should go to Kansas City for a year. Get a nice little paycheck for one year. Play with Patrick Mahomes. Sign a one-year deal. Bet on myself. And then next year, I'm going to hit the market and I'm going to be a top-tier free agent. And all the contracts are going to be higher. Is that something that we could see benefiting the Chiefs, particularly on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah. Yes. I think with free agency, and you actually asked me, so we kind of got, I went off on a different side of the topic, but I think what you're going to see in free agency, stars are going to get paid because they always get paid. I've talked to a, a litany of agents on this, probably a dozen at this point, if not even more. And everyone agrees, stars are going to get paid. The second tier guys are going to take a bath. Because there's just no money. There's no money out there. And now the Chiefs, being one of the bigger players in free agency, if they want to be, are going to have the ability to go, hey, we'll give you a one-year deal. We'll sweeten the pot for you. And then next year, you can hit the market. And the nice thing for the Chiefs is, if, if let's just say, they sign, I don't know, A.J. Green on a one-year deal. You know, I, I think A.J. Green's days are behind them. But it, it, it did that. And A.J. Green shocked everybody and had 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. Just had a, a fountain of youth type of year and a great year. Now the Chiefs have the control of his rights. Like if they want to, ever, you know, if they want to tag somebody, now that, I don't think they'd be tagging A.J. Green. But the point is, you sign a one-year deal, you get the right to be able to do that with any player. Like I'll, I'll, give, actually, I'll give a much better example. Bud Dupree. Some people you talk to in the league think he's still going to get, you know, four and 60. Other people think he's going to have to prove that he's healthy on a one-year deal. Let's say the Chiefs are the team, they bring him in one year, $10 million. And Bud Dupree has an all-pro type year, the, the kind of year he's having last year before he tore his ACL. That's the kind of guy that Chiefs would go, we'll franchise him. Like, well, we'll just keep him. You know, I, I think that is where it is advantageous to be able to have those one-year deals. And for receivers, as you mentioned, especially, look, 
the receivers are really interesting to watch. I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. It's a loaded draft class at receiver. Again, another class, it, my understanding is Kansas City, among many other teams, believe it's a very deep class there. It's also the deepest free agency pool as well by a position. Okay, you were talking about, yeah, Kenny Galladay is the, is the big prize. I, I would be kind of surprised if Chiefs went that big. There's Juju Smith-Schuster. There's Corey Davis. There's Marvin Jones. There's Will Fuller. Uh, there's, there's, again, A.J. Green, Larry Fitzgerald, T.Y. Hilton, some of the older guys. I think Fitzgerald's not going anywhere. Hilton could. Um, there, Nelson Aguilar is another guy who's out there. Obviously, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson. The list goes on and on. And, I mean, there are. I'm sure I'm just even forgetting a few guys. Josh Reynolds or the Rams, another guy. There's so many receivers. Emmanuel Sanders just got cut by the Saints. There's so many options that you're going to have a few guys like a Galladay, maybe a few others get signed quickly. But then there's going to be a glut of receivers with teams knowing that the rookie class is really good, knowing they could get a cheap guy for three or four years. There are going to be guys absolutely who are going to be, their agents are going to be calling the Chiefs going, hey, look, my guy's looking at a one-year deal at this point. We'd love it if he played with Patrick Mahomes because it's not just the Mahomes factor. If you're a receiver and you go there, okay, you're never seeing the number one corner on the other team ever. Right. Ever. You're not going to be double teamed. You're not going to you're not going to be the focal point. Like let's say they sign Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is a really good player. Marvin Jones is going to get third billing by the defense. No no team is going to go, you know what, we got to stop Marvin Jones. They're not. As good as he is, nobody's going to worry about Marvin Jones comparatively. And so if you're him, you're going, I'm never seeing double teams. I'm never seeing the number one corner. I'm going to be in prime time or a standalone late Sunday afternoon game three quarters of the season. I'm going to play deep in the playoffs, maybe even get to where win a Super Bowl. And I got Mahomes. I got Andy Reid. Like, volume, insane volume in the offense. You're not playing yeah. for the Browns, right, where they're going to be running the ball 30, 40 times. It's crazy. If you, could, you could be the third option in the Chiefs offense and have 800 yards and nine touchdowns and not even break a sweat. If you're if you're a receiver, to me the Chiefs have the ultimate leverage once once the market dries up a little bit because everybody's going to want to go there. What receiver is going to turn that down? You know, I, I think it's I think it's a home run for the Chiefs. I, I and I do expect they will do that. I absolutely expect that'll be one of the things they do this offseason. All right, let's let's jump ahead to the draft. Um, actually, let, let me take a break. We haven't taken a break. We had a lot to talk about. I'm going to get a quick break in. On the other side, let's talk about the draft and these compensatory picks. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Draft talk. So the Chiefs got awarded their compensatory picks. For those who don't know, teams get awarded compensatory picks, bonus picks, basically, from the the back of the third round on for free agents that they lost. And it it depends on how much those free agents the the previous year and how much they signed for with other teams. So, you know, if, if, for example, you know, Tyreek Hill was a free agent and he left the Chiefs, the Chiefs would get a, they would get a third round compensatory pick for Tyreek Hill because he would sign some huge deal somewhere else. Right. So it's all competitive balance stuff. Now, uh, these... These picks that the Chiefs got, they got a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder. It was the 39th pick in the fourth round. That's number 144 overall. Not a great pick, but a decent pick. You can get a decent player there. Interior offensive linemen, backup running backs, those types of things, special teams players. And then the the fifth 
uh, round pick is the 37th pick in the round, and that's number 181 overall. Um, so this bolsters the Chiefs. They, they're coming in. They didn't have a, a seventh round pick in this draft. So now what they're looking at is eight picks. They got the first rounder, 31, second rounder, third rounder, two fourth rounders, which will be close together because they'll be picking at the back end of the first round because they're good. Um, and they've got two fifth rounders now, same deal, and then a sixth round pick. How do you view these compensatory picks? And do you view them more as, hey, let's let's load up on some depth in the middle of the draft? Or do you view them as trade chips for Brett Veach to package picks together to get more done in rounds one through three? Yeah. First of all, either. Uh, just a real quick uh, minor correction. The Chiefs don't have a sixth round pick. They have a seventh. Oh, my um, bad. I the, looked at some uh, old info. The Chiefs had traded the pick uh, to Tennessee, the sixth round pick. So they have the Chiefs are sitting there. First, second, third, just straight up. And then, like you said, they have, they have now the compensatory as well as the regular picks in the fourth and the fifth. Um, and it's actually nice. In the fourth round, they draft 137 and 145. So they have two picks within nine spots. And then uh, in the fifth round, 176 and 182. So th th they'll have a couple of spots there where they, they could make some moves in, in bulk, um, which let me tell you something, when you're covering the draft, uh, that's always nice because uh, then you can you can take a break in between. Um so I, I think, you know, look, you could use it either way. You could use it either way. If, if you're Kansas City, if there's a guy that you like, you used to be able, or you, excuse me, used to not to be able to, draft, or to trade compensatory picks. Those picks used to be untradeable. You couldn't move them, couldn't do anything with them. You just had to use them where they were. Now you can trade them. So I think, look, they're always nice to have because they're more ammunition. Only 17 of the 32 teams in the league had them, and only nine of, I believe there were, I believe there were 37 compensatory picks handed out this year and only nine of them to AFC teams. So not not bad for Kansas City. Um, I think they might use them to move up, move around the board. The Chiefs have always moved around. They've been under Veach. They've done a little bit of both, right? Like they've moved back. We've seen them do that. They moved back the year they drafted Chris Jones, um, and they've moved up. And they've moved up when they drafted McCall Harden, I believe. They moved up for him, obviously, with Mahomes. Now, Dorsey was the GM there, but Beach is in the building. They moved way up. So I expect that the Chiefs will move around the draft. That's typically what they do. And I think those picks will be used to, to probably maneuver a little bit. Especially perhaps maybe in the first round, right? If they've got a, if they've got a quality prospect there that they think, hey, maybe we can get this guy at 20, 21, 22, 23, but we're, we're not going to be able to He's probably going to be gone by the time he gets to us at 31. That might be the time to throw in a couple of fourth rounders or something. And I got to get my Jimmy Johnson trade chart out uh, and, and move up to get him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if, if that's a, that's a good way of putting it. If you're sitting there at 31 and, and there's a guy, okay. So the, the bills are a team that might look at free agency and, and the draft for offensive line out, right? The bills are actually in a lot of, Similar spots to Chiefs. They need some edge rush. They need an offensive line. Now, the Bills draft 29th, I think. Um, so let's say you get to 27 or 28, and there's a guy that you really like. But you got some intel that maybe the Bills really like him too. That's a great spot to call up whoever and go, hey, you know, hey, guys, listen, uh, what, do you, what do you think? Move back three spots. We'll give you our fourth round compensatory pick because we really want this guy. I, that, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, and that that's why that's why 
you have those picks, you can pull the trigger on that type of stuff. Look, the more options you have in life, the better. Those two picks give the Chiefs a few more options. It's going to be a very exciting offseason, one of the most exciting offseasons and drafts for the Chiefs, I think, in a while because there are needs there now, and we're going to watch them reload. Uh, I Before we, we get out of here, I, two things. I watched a video, not to rehash the Super Bowl again, but I watched a video of um, former Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith. He was on Get Up the morning after the Super Bowl, Get Up on ESPN with Mike Greenberg. And, you know, Greeny was just asking him, like, break things down. Like, what'd you see out there? And it's all the things that you would expect. Alex was like, look, like, I mean, Pat's toe was hurting him. I, 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 I didn't see, even though Pat ran around a lot, Alex was talking about how, you know, I didn't see him doing some of those things he's able to do where he's just sort of like backpedals and and throws a dart, you know, and, and, and creates and helps. And he talked about the offensive line issues. But one thing he mentioned, and and, and Mahomes himself has, has admitted this in his post-game comments. He said, you know, I, I saw Pat double-clutching a lot. He, he, he was still looking for the big play down the field, and it just it just wasn't there. They couldn't get him out of the couldn't get Tampa Bay out of the shell. And Mahomes said after the game, yeah, I've got to take what the defense gives me. He he rightfully critiqued his own his own game, even though not everything was his fault. And so I wanted to ask you your thoughts on this, Matt. What impact will the Super Bowl ha- loss have on Patrick Mahomes and the offense? And do you think it's going to make Mahomes and the offense better? You know, it's funny. I actually thought about this this morning before they cut anybody. I took a walk, and I always do in the morning. I, I just happen to be thinking about that. And I, my biggest concern for the Chiefs going forward, I guess in the in the present moment now, is the offensive line and figuring that out because that that changed. But I think they will figure that out. It's how do they bounce back from that? Because they didn't just lose in that game. They got hammered, and they got embarrassed. They didn't score a touchdown. They were humiliated. You know, I think the enduring image of that Super Bowl for me is Antoine Winfield throwing up the peace sign at Tyreek Hill, who's just on the ground defeated. That picture says it all. And by the way, I have no problem with Antoine Winfield doing it because Hill does it to guys all the time. You're going to do it. You got to be able to take it. Um, How the Chiefs bounce back from that emotionally is my biggest question. I'm not worried about guys. I'm not worried about guys. Um like Mahomes and Kelsey and Matthew, they will have the right mindset because that's just who they are. It's what makes them who they are. But as a collective, do they lose a little bit of their swagger? Do they lose a little bit of that? Because, you know, because you go through, you go through something that is from a football perspective, catastrophic, right? I, I think for Mahomes, as long as they can block, he'll be Mahomes. He'll come out and throw for 4,800 yards and 40 touchdowns. And that, look, in the end, if I had to guess, because of the leadership they have, this is where I think the Reeds, the Bienemies, the Spagnolos, this is where they earn their money beyond the X's and O's. I don't think Bienemy will allow them to change who they are. And I don't think Reed will allow that to happen. Same with Steve Spagnuolo. But the emotional side of this, it's look, teams that lose the Super Bowl the next year typically do not come back and play well. Now, 
teams that win the Super Bowl typically don't get back to the Super Bowl either. And the Chiefs just rolled and came right back. If you said to me, Mahomes, same guy? Yeah, I think he probably is. Um, but I, I don't think this is the worst thing that they're turning over a little bit of this roster. Look, they ran it back last year. They had an unusually low amount of turnover, and it worked until it didn't. I think the Chiefs, look, this is largely going to be the same team. Anthony Sherman has retired. Okay, they're going to lose their tackles. Breland probably walks. But a lot of this team, the core of this team is going to be here. But I don't think it's the worst thing adding some new blood. But I, I am curious to see emotionally, how does this team bounce back from what was the worst loss it's ever had under Randy Reid? And it's not by a close margin. Do you think sometimes some of the games that stand out to me from last year that I really enjoyed watching the Chiefs offense play were the it was the Houston game and the Buffalo game, the first one. The way that the Chiefs ran the football and and just moved down the field and ate up huge chunks of clock. Look, we know they're never going. They're always going to. Mahomes is always going to be big game hunting. He's going to be taking big shots down the field. That's who he is. But we also know that when the Chiefs are able to run the ball, and when they are, and they, when they do take the defense, what the defense gives them, they're pretty much unbeatable. There's just nothing you can do. Do you think that we see more of an emphasis on that, just a little bit, to be like? Because I thought we started seeing it last year, right? Where it was like they had some games where it was like, yeah, you wanna you wanna play us this way, we can beat you that way. But I, we didn't see it consistently. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. So I get what you're saying, but I don't think they're ever going to play like that. Not consistently. Every once in a while, sure. Um, but not not consistently because that's just not who they are. Like They, they want to throw the ball. And I, I keep using the term when I go back to the Super Bowl, earned arrogance. I think Kansas City in that game really felt like their offensive line is really beat up. They got a great front. Screw them. We're going to throw the ball anyway. We don't care, and we're going to go deep, and we're going to take our shots into hell with Tampa Bay. And the Buccaneers based in that game said, jam it up, you, you know where. We're going to come after you all night, and we're going to get to you. And they did it. The Chiefs' arrogance got to them in that game. They just felt like we can just run deep routes all game long. I mean, go watch the film. Actually, please don't watch the film, okay? I, I, I've done it for you. They ran deep routes all night. They never adjusted. They just felt like we have Mahomes. We're just going to throw the ball. We got yeah, And maybe if a couple balls don't bounce off hands, maybe it would have been <laughs> a different outcome. I doubt it. I don't think they would have held up in protection. But um, I think they'll do that running stuff in spots. But that's just not – like. In the end, and I would use the Bills game as an example, right? The first time they played, they ran for like 245 yards. They played the Bills again. The Bills played the same defense, and the Chiefs barely ran the ball. Reed was like, no, I don't care. We're going to just throw short. Now, it worked both ways against Buffalo. The Chiefs just, just carved them up. Didn't matter. I think they should do that more often, but it's not who Andy is. And it's hard to complain. They almost never lose. But yeah, listen, this, this offseason is going to boil down to one thing. They can win with their defense as it is. They can. I promise you. Even with the, the lack of edge rush at times, because of the way Spagnuolo plays, they'll always blitz enough to get some pressure and do some things. But 
the the way they block, that's it. And that's not just because of the Fisher and Schwartz releases, right? That, but the reality is they need to be able to block. If they fix this offensive line, and it's a good unit, I, I would pick them to be the runaway favorite to win the Super Bowl. Because they were until their offensive line got beat to hell last year, and they still got there. But they need to fix the line, and Veach knows it. And they took a couple of big steps towards doing it today, even though right now it feels like a step backwards. Andy's an innovator. He likes to keep his offense moving forward. So I'm really interested to see when he goes back to the drawing board after this, what what he comes up with next. What changes does he make to stay one step ahead of the rest of the league? You know, everybody's had a few years of Mahomes now. They know what to look for. They know some things that can work against the Chiefs, few as they are. It's just going to be interesting to see if Andy cooks up a few more, maybe not just wrinkles, but like some just different evolution of this offense to to throw everybody off again well it's possible i mean andy always does different stuff they always have some they're, they're always fun to watch the first month of the year because they come out with a handful of things it's like oh my god like, where, what what are they doing? i mean last year mahomes was in motion as he was catching snaps right they're just they're crazy with that kind of stuff more and if you're if you're just a chief fan who just watches the chiefs games that's obviously fine but as someone who watches the uh, the rest of the league, I will tell you, watching the Chiefs is so much fun compared, like, not even because I'm a Chiefs fan, but just the rest of the league. Because, man, the rest of the league, a lot of these teams are so boring in the way they play. And the, watching the Chiefs, it's like watching a different sport. I mean, there are guys <laughs> right. moving all over the place, different things, different motions. And it's it's so wild. And then you'll turn on, like, I don't know, a Minnesota game. And it's just pounded in there twice with Alvin Cook, play action with Kirk, going to throw yeah. a bubble screen. He's doing the Chiefs on, and Mahomes is running and catching the snap and twirling around and throwing. You know, like, <laughs> it, it, it really, it's, you know, you know, how many, you know how many teams would have had the guts or the ability to call and then execute Rose Bowl right parade on fourth and one in the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, that's a play that teams don't even run in, in preseason because they feel, oh, this is it's gimmicky, it's not going to work. In the biggest call of Andy Reid's life to that point, they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have four guys spin around, snap it to the back, and then have them just hand it up in there. And it worked. Like, yeah. it's, they're so different. But you know, I think that is true. And I will, I'll, I'll kind of um, leave my thoughts at this on all this stuff. A closing thought, if you will. I have said on the pod before, and I, I'm going to say it again today because of the events of today, um, I would not be surprised if the Chiefs go scorched earth in free agency this year. And I said that way back when they were way over the cap. It's just a feeling. I could be wrong. It's not an insider thing. It's just a gut. I just wonder with the Chiefs if they're going to open up a lot of space over the next couple of days and then as they have to moving forward. And they just say, we're going to sign a lot of guys to a bunch of one-year deals, but we're going to go out. We're going to get another receiver. We're going to get another edge rusher. We're going to get a corner. We're going to bring in a tackle and a guard. And we're just going to load up. And maybe a couple of those guys are on multi-year deals so we can push the money into 2022. The rest of these guys are going to be on one-year incentive-laden deals. Much like what the Pats did when they beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And then they came back and they signed like Stephon Gilmore and Rex Burkhead and, and Dwayne Allen and, and, and Brandon. And they traded for Brandon Cooks. And they just went crazy. Crazy. And that was the year that everybody was like, my God, they might go 16 and 0. 
And then the Chiefs went in there week one and hammered them. That was that year. And then the Pats still went to the Super Bowl and they lost the Eagles. Like, I, I, just, I, I just wonder if the Chiefs just look at this thing and go, you know what? Kelsey's at the peak of his powers, but he's 31. Like, you know, maybe this is the time. Like, maybe this is the time, to, you know, before we get to maybe, you know, we might lose the enemy after this year. We might have some things happen where, you know, hey, does Hitchens come back after this year? Certain things. Again, it's a total gut feeling. I just, I, I, I just wonder if the Chiefs are going to be a lot more aggressive in free agency than people expect at a multitude of positions. It's a competitive sport. Competitive people work in the sport. You know, if you don't think Brett Veach is pissed off and you know wants to wants to make sure that they're back hoisting that Lombardi next year, you got another thing coming. The, the work in the NFL, you don't get a lot of people resting on their laurels. Oh, we're good. We won the AFC two years in a row. We got a Super Bowl, like back to back Super Bowl appearances. That's not good enough. They want to win it all every single year. They want to win every single game. They want to win the coin toss. They, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, you don't get to that level if you don't think that way. This, this is a brutal business. And I tweeted this out a little while ago. You, like Fisher and Schwartz, a lot of people are shocked. Devin White's getting off jokes on Twitter about it. Did they cut these guys and whatever? Look, the reality is, you know who makes moves like this? Who made moves like this for 20 years? Yep. The Patriots. Bill Belichick would cut guy. You'd be like, what did they just do? Who did they cut? Oh, that's the end. Because he believed in his ability to replace them. And sometimes Bill Belichick was right, and sometimes he was wrong. But he had Tom Brady, and he had himself, and they had a core of seven or eight guys who they revolved the team around. I mean, they did this all the time. They would cut Laura Malloy and, and let Ty Law walk, and they would let Logan Mankins walk and they would trade Richard Seymour and they would trade Mike Vrabel, and people would go insane. And then they turn around and they'd win 13 games because you know what they did? They drafted and they developed and they signed guys shrewdly in free agency. And they, they would trade for a disgruntled player who they thought they could get to work in their scheme and in their system. People forget this. They traded a pick, a, a day two pick for Wes Welker. They traded a fourth round pick for Randy Moss. Like they just they rebuilt and reloaded over and over and over because they drafted guys like Edelman late and they drafted Will Fork and they dra- and they would just build and build and build and build and build. The Chiefs moved on a year early from Fisher and Schwartz because they're worried about the injuries and they probably feel like, look, this is the last year anyway. We might be able to get younger and get better and get cheaper. And we're willing to take that uh, that risk. And it might blow up in their face. It could. They could draft a kid who's a bust, and it doesn't work out. And Yang gets hurt again. And, and Duvernay Tardif's just not the same guy. I mean, that is all possible. It's also possible that Schwartz retires and Fisher can't play this year, and the Chiefs draft a stud left tackle, and all of a sudden you're in week six, and you're like, man, this is the best line they've had since the, the, the 2003 group. I mean, I, I don't know that that will happen. The, the Pats did this forever. When you hold on to guys, you get old and you get expensive, and then you put yourself in a lot of trouble. I think the Chiefs did the right thing, even if it's a scary thing. I agree 100%. It's very exciting. 
and hopefully they can continue to make the right bets and we'll see a, a very a very patriot like 10 years here where Brett Veach is, is pulling the strings and making the right moves for the most part. He's got Andy Reid. He's got Patrick Mahomes. That's what matters. So if he gets these most of these personnel things right and most of these contract things right, the Chiefs are going to be winning a lot of games over the next 10-plus years. I'm going to write, read two quick reviews, and then we're going to get out of here. This one comes from Matt, Matt, O'Dum, Matt O'Drums. Uh, top 10 Chiefs pod. I know, tell us what we got to do to get to top five. Maybe it's in the review here. I definitely appreciate all the work that goes into these podcasts. A lot of great content. Matt V and Matt C are solid anchors. However, would you please keep the off-topic food stuff to the end of the podcast? While the team uh, has the old nickname, The Chefs, it may increase interaction about candy and kids' cereal. That's probably not what most of us come here to listen to. Fair point. Fair point. Listen, we understand. It's the off season. There are going to be some lean weeks here, and we're going to have to lead with the sweet stuff probably. Um, but when there's a day like today where we've got lots of cheese news to talk about, you know, we'll have to we'll have to put the stuff towards the end. So to, to totally hear you, I will say last night my wife and I went out to dinner. We sat in one of those igloos with like a private thing on the lake here, and uh, I got a, a brownie sundae at the end of at the end of the fantastic huge win. Brownies, brownies, and ice cream underrated combo. Need more of it in everyone's lives. Um, and the last one here, uh, I'm just going to read. Great analysis. This was from Bronson R. Uh, he says, I can't wait for Thursdays because of this podcast. The insight and analysis are excellent from both hosts. Keep up the great work. Uh, and then he wanted to, he, he, he has a he had a question that was a little bit out of date now because of, of what happened today. But he just wanted to know, you know, is it, is it, is it crazy to draft a solid left tackle like Liam Eichenberg and, draft, and, and extend Eric Fisher and then he was saying, you know, Fisher take like guard money and we kick him inside, maybe right. stuff and like it that. It was a crazy off. thought. Yeah. I mean, it, it really wasn't. Um, and by the way, no, it would not be crazy left tackle at this point. Um, but no, I think, you know, they're, they're going to have some flexibility. And, you know, he mentions in this question with Niang being available on the right side. I mean, that, um, yeah, I think, I think Niang's going to start on the right side. Um, I think that would, if, if he doesn't, I think then you have an issue there. Um, and real quick here, just to, to make sure we're hitting on everybody with three other reviews uh, this week from KC Chiefs 10-star podcast. Thank you so much. Wish you could leave 10 stars. That'd be great. Uh, never miss a podcast. You guys are truly the best, by the way. Loving the new podcast with Connor and Stowing. That's awesome. So are we. They do a great job. Excellent Chiefs content and lots of fun to listen to. You guys are a 10-star group. Now let's talk candy. And, of course, you may remember last pod I asked, hey, give us your best Easter, Passover, candy. I mean, what do you got? Um, and we went through ours. And I asked also thoughts on peeps, right? So keep that in mind. And this person says, my Easter faves, Reese's chocolate peanut butter eggs, absolutely the goat, the Cadbury egg, and my top go-to Russell Stover dark chocolate marshmallow eggs. That's under the radar. I like that. Those are good. Those are good. My Easter hate peeps. I think they're absolutely disgusting. Thank you for all the time and hard work you guys put in every week for the pod. This person and I are totally aligned. I totally agree. Love Reese's chocolate peanut butter eggs. Love the Cadbury eggs. And at Peeps, I know Patrick, you and I disagree. Uh, throw them all in the trash. Um, <laughs> then we have uh, one from Alex Burgos, who's a, a great guy. Uh, follows me on Twitter. We've had many interactions. Uh, he says, I listen to you guys all the time. Vertoram knows. I do. Uh, this podcast and the Yahoo NFL podcast r slash were my favorites. Not a fan of chocolate. And man, man is uh, nobody's perfect. More of a Mexican candy my, fan myself. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you. Um, 
always love talking to Alex. We talk all the time on, on Twitter. Um, Alex is a great example of someone who we've talked many times. We are actually, we, we started talking because we're incredibly different politically. But That's right, yeah. Found common ground. And it's, it's proof that you can be different politically and not absolutely hate each other's guts, okay? So um, my, my friendship with Alex is proof of that. And then one more from our guy, Clinton Blake McKenzie, who is uh, a diehard and listens and comments all the time. It says, Sugar Overload. If you're reading this, you may or may not know that hosts are Patrick Allen and Matt Verdon are the absolute best in the business at giving you everything you need to know about the Chiefs and doing so in a supremely entertaining way. I don't miss the podcast ever. You shouldn't either. Really, we should hire Clint for PR. Yeah, we um, really should. We really should. On to business. Peeps aren't fit for your trash can. See, again, totally agree. And all peanut butter anything, much less an all Reese's peanut butter anything, is a gift from God. Hollow chocolate Easter bunnies are my pet peeve. How dare you attempt to sell me an Easter bunny-shaped vessel full of air? Yep. I know the vessel is crafted of chocolate. That's wonderful. You really believe I want less chocolate and more air? <laughs> Get out of here with that. That is, by, that yeah. is hilarious. It is and so I, I on the money. completely agree. That is awesome. Uh, Cadbury eggs are just fine, but I could easily live the remainder of my life without eating one. Okay, again, nobody's perfect, Clint. Yeah. Reese's eggs are the absolutely, or excuse me, Reese's eggs are the only absolute requirement for Easter candy. All else is optional. Enough said. Thanks, guys. Um, so thank you, everyone, for leaving reviews. And, and Clint, a shout out to you, especially, man, because you, you do it all the time. You're always hitting me up on Twitter. Always appreciate chatting, chopping it up. I will leave with this because this happened to me. You mentioned your food thing. I went to Walgreens the other day to just pick up a few things. Girl Scout troop outside selling cookies. Oh yeah. And I and I'm like in my head, I'm like, I shouldn't do it. Shouldn't do it. And I'm like, I don't have cash, so I can't do it. And as I'm walking by one of the, the mothers of one of the Girl Scouts, it's like, Oh, by the way, everyone, like, we take credit cards. I just immediately oh, no. turned around. I was like, All right. <laughs> I was oh, like, man. let's do this. Um, I got two boxes. Uh I got the tag alongs for myself to so the chocolate peanut butter cookies. And then I got uh, the s'mores. My wife loves s'mores to death. So my first of all, they're somehow still surviving in the house, although dwindling. Um what is your favorite a Girl Scout cookie? And I'm also asking this both of you, Patrick, and to the crowd. Listen, you're still with us, you're still out there and you're hearing this. This is this is the comment of the week. Leave a rating, leave a review, tell us. What is what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? And what's the Girl Scout cookie that you think is, is one they should replace? I will say tagalongs are my favorite. Obviously, chocolate peanut butter. I'm sure big, big shock. I, I think the shortbread cookie, just a waste of time. I can get a shortbread cookie anytime. Fine cookie. I can get it whenever. Give yeah. me something else. So that, that's where I stand. I want your thoughts and thoughts in the masses. I, I'm, I'm, ahead, I, I'm right with you on this Girl Scout thing. Shortbread cookies. All right, get out of here. Whatever, fine. Like it's this when you're looking at the when you're looking at the offerings from from the Girl Scouts and you've got thin mints and tagalongs. Like who's buying the short? Who's like you know what? A serial killer. Yeah. Like now, if the, now listen, don't get me wrong. If that Girl Scout's standing out there and all she's got left are the shortbread cookies, I'm buying a box. It is right? what it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you know, support the organization um, and, and support sugar. But like tagalongs. I, they're they're just they're so absolutely incredible the the amount of peanut butter that they put in there is great and then you got that that there's that crunchy part you can kind of like bite down you know you get through the peanut butter and then you get that crunchy part. oh god it's it's 
it's absolutely incredible. It reminds me a little bit of a the texture you get when you take the top off an Oreo and you're eating you're eating the the cream first. Um, absolutely incredible. Love some Girl Scout cookies. I, I I'm excited for Visa or Mastercard or whoever your creditors are because they probably just financed a new private jet for the executives. Yeah, that's great. Bad for you, but great for them. Um, yeah, it let us know your Girl Scout cookie go-tos. Are you one of these people that put, you know, there's some things people do. They put the Thin Mints in the freezer. Like that's a whole I other thing. If I box of Thin Mints, I would have put them in the freezer, yes. Yeah. I never yeah. did that. And then I did it like a handful of years ago because I'd seen so many people talk about it. And then I just immediately was like, this is the right decision long term. Can you believe the Girl Scouts are taking credit cards now? Hey, capitalism, it, man. <laughs> it's just... if, if, if the Girl Scout... I don't know what it is association or whatever whatever it is. Um, if if they were in charge of the country's finances, we balance the budget in like an hour. Okay, yeah. I firmly believe that. There is no. I won't stop for anybody asking me for my money. Girl Scout. They, they right. didn't even speak. Like I would. Yeah. I would have gone over a wall to get to the Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. You walk well, out there. The people are asking for you know money and and. For all kinds of different worthy causes, walk you blow right on by them. You see yeah. that you see that 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 eight year old girl out there with her mom and dad, and a box of Thin Mints. And, it's and happening. You're going into the ATM if you have to. I'll tell you right now. I will not. You know, my daughter's three and a half. Okay, Maisie. I will not make her do anything in life. Whatever she wants to play sports, cool. I'll support her, but I'm not going to like you know foist it on her. Whatever she wants to do, I'll support her. She will be a Girl Scout. Okay. That will happen. Like, you need access thing, wholesale. That's right. That's right. <laughs> wholesale and, and in our business, you know the kind of business that I can get made you to do as far as selling cookies. Because there's always those prizes they give out, right? Like if you saw yeah. the most, I'll just call people in the NFL and be like, yeah. "Hey, you want you want a pallet for the team? Right, right. Because we can make it happen. Like, yeah. I'm I'm all in. Like I I remember when I was a God, it was something for for school, wasn't it? I wasn't the Boy Scouts, but it wasn't for that. It was something in school, and we had to sell. And it was something like if you sold like a thousand dollars worth. Now I grew up in a very small town, so that was essentially impossible. You, it, it was like can oh, it was candy bars. It was candy bars. If I sold a thousand dollars worth, I got like oh God, like a I think it was like a stand up basketball hoop, like for your driveway, like a but like a real like a ten foot one. Yeah. And. I was like, well, there's no way. Like, I maybe could sell $100, $150. And my Nana worked at a huge bank in, in New York City. And it was like, listen, just send them, like, just drive them down and give them to me. I'll, I'll she sold $1,000 in like two days. You're one <laughs> of those kids. There was always some kid in my class whose dad worked down at the GM plant, right? That's right. That and he would take that down there and set it up. And they, oh, I got the, I got a, you know, a Sega Genesis. You know, and, and they did nothing. Meanwhile, right. I'm going around to the to the five neighbors that my parents weren't creeped out by that would they would let me go knock on the door. And I'm coming back with thirty five dollars in sales of uh, the, those antique popcorn tins. You know, uh, always always pissed me off. Always thought it was unfair that those people had that. You know, I don't know if you ever seen like the GM plant in Lordstown. It's not a it's not a GM plant anymore, unfortunately. But they're they're going to make electric uh, trucks. Uh, check them out. You can invest into the company. It's a ride on the on the ticker. Lordstown plant. Uh, these trucks look cool. Uh, it's, it's like it's like city blocks. It's a massive, massive operation. So they just they cashed in. God bless them. Um, not me, man. I ended up with uh, 
I think all I ever had enough to win was like my own, t- t- you know, antique can of popcorn. Like that's all I would ever get yeah. from these things. Um, all right. We appreciate you guys listening so much. Big news. We'll be back next week. Uh, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes will be here on Sunday night with their reaction. I'm sure to everything that's been going on with the Chiefs. And we're are we are we recording on the first day of the new league year? Second, but keep an eye out for bonus pods, emergency yeah. pods, because if the right. Chiefs do something big, we'll we'll be here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it may not be an hour, maybe twenty minutes, a half hour, but we will we will be here. If the Chiefs squad is like Trent Williams, we'll jump on. Yeah, oh. maybe all four of us hop on. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for your reviews. Let us know about your favorite Girl Scout cookies. You can find us on all the places you get your podcasts. We're especially on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music, Google Play Store, all that stuff. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.